three, two, one. official review i'm mitchell graham and i'm zach brown and it's week one by the time you were listening to this thursday morning at 8 a.m because i know you listen to it right when we drop you were going to be a couple hours probably 10 10 11 hours away from real college football kicking off i know we had week zero um last week but um it, it was a little bit of a sleeper other than the first game i know both of us really didn't get a good um, like didn't watch a lot of the games. Um, yeah, I was out of town, didn't get to watch yeah. for many of them. And I didn't have CBS Sports Network at my dad's house. So it was a little bit sad because I didn't get to watch <laughs> the quintuple header uh, that they had. But anyways, this week we've got a doozy. We're going to talk about some uh, some MLB. We, are, we have some college football things to discuss, like some craziness that came out of Desmond Howard. Um, and then some stuff like review from week zero that we did take away from that. And then our preview for week one is going to be insane. We've got 10 picks. We've got Cody's picks. We've got Cousins Choice. We're going to talk about some burning questions going into week one that me and Zach have. It's going to be fun, but let's start out with some MLB, Zach. Let's talk about it. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, so um, so we're starting off on the MLB. Uh, the first news story is Julio Julio Rodriguez just signed a 14-year deal with the Seattle Mariners worth like I think it's like 280 um, but he has incentives to make up to over 400 million dollars this is obviously a big signing you know you want to lock down your young your young guys your young core and Julio Rodriguez we saw him in the home run derby he's an electric player Um, the Mariners have been missing this type of player for a long time I think Kyle Seeger was expected to be this guy, but he can never cut. He always got injured, never kind. I mean, he was still a really good player, never really panned out the way that Julio Rodriguez seems like he's going. He's another one of those guys that the MLB really needs to start marketing. He's a, he's a very easily marketable guy. And which, uh, you know, with the new schedule next year, which we didn't have that on the show notes, but we should talk about that. Right. With the new schedule format and the MLB next year, people are going to be able to watch Julio Rodriguez all across the country. Fan bases are going to be able to see an electric player like that because I know for me, I haven't seen a single Mariners game this year. So, But I want to see the kid play because I know he's really good. I mean, we saw so, the home run derby. Yeah, that's the only time I've been able to see him. And – so I, I want to see this kid play, and he, he's a marketable player. And it's, it's uh, you know, Seattle very likely could make the postseason this year. And uh, so I think, it's, I think it's a big signing for them. I mean, you think about the Mariners, they need a guy that they can just – that they need a face, and Julio Rodriguez has quickly become that. I know going into the year they didn't really think he was going to be – like they thought he was going to be good, but I don't think they thought he was going to be this good this early. Um, right. And we're seeing in the MLB more than really anywhere that you are, there is an incentive on getting your guys set early. The Braves have done it with Michael Harris. They've done, I think they signed Spencer Strider as well, right? To a, to a long-term no, we, deal. We still have not signed Strider. Um, or Dansby. Yeah. We're, we're working on it with Dansby. I'd probably be a deal by the end of the year. Done. Right. We're still working on Strider. We're working on Max Freed. And it wouldn't surprise me if we got Vaughn Grissom locked down here very right. shortly too. So it's just like it's, it just seems like it's it's so like we're in the age of the MLB where you can prove yourself really quickly. 
Yeah. And these guys are coming in and look, it might be, there might be, there's going to be instances where they're overspending too early. Do I think every single person on this Braves team right now that's getting signed is going to be this good for their whole tenure with the Braves? Are they going to have some duds? I think they will. That's just how it goes. Right. I, I, Look and, at Marcelo Zuna. I mean, right. The, no, and the COVID yeah. year, Marcelo Zuna was had a phenomenal year, best year of his career. He was raking. And then we signed him to this long deal. And now it, it turns out he's he, he can't hit, he can't right. field, and he can't stay out of jail. So, I mean, <clears throat> you know, it, there's going to be some that miss, but I think it's unprecedented really what the Braves are doing, are doing locking down their young core. Pretty much every single position is locked down for the next four or five years, right. which is crazy. They, like, Yeah. They're creating the trend, essentially. Yeah. They, they created the trend. They're going out there. They're getting their guys. And if you look at Acuna and Albies, like they're both, they're on very, very team-friendly deals. Yeah. Like they're not – like Acuna's value is way higher than what he's getting paid. I think the right. same for Albies. I don't think that's going to have to, is going to be the case for Swanson. I don't, don't think you're going to be able to underpay Swanson. Dan, Dansby at this point, I don't think he is. I think he knows his value and he knows what he's going to get. He's seen what Olsen's gotten. I think that might be the most questionable thing they've done. I know Olsen's great, but 10 years for that much money, it was a little bit like a, Ha ha, Freddie! Like to stick it to Freddie. They they gave him ten years and all that money. Uh, that's going to be a little interesting, but I do think you're going to have to spend some money on Dansby. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Dansby's going to try to break the bank with us. I mean, we've been loyal to him. He's been loyal to us, and we quite frankly don't have the cap room to to make him the highest paid shortstop in baseball. And I don't think he necessarily wants to be the highest paid. Now, he's not probably not going to take a cheap deal. But right. he's also he also doesn't want to become like the highest paid shortstop in baseball. He loves the Braves. He doesn't want to leave. Um, I know there were some rumors a couple of months ago that some somebody had spoken to Dansby's dad or whatever, and Dansby wanted to go play for Chicago and be closer to his wife or something. I I don't believe any of that stuff. No, um, I think Dansby wants to be here, but a hey. Alex Anthopoulos has already proved in, with Freddie Freeman, if you play hardball, we're going to move on from you. Right. And so I don't think Dansby's going to play hardball. I don't think the Braves are going to disrespect him and give him a low-balled offer. But, yeah, I don't think Dansby would try anything like that because, like I said, if Freddie Freeman was the heart and soul of this team, he played hardball, and we said, we'll just move on to somebody else. So um, let me let me ask you this. This is not on the show notes, but I'm genuinely just curious as, as a diehard Braves fan. There is an impending logjam, I believe, in this infield. There is Ozzy, there's Dansby, there's Austin Riley, there's Matt Olson. And the DH mm-hmm. position is pretty set with Contreras. Yeah. Where does where does Grissom fit into this? Where who is expendable? Who's the most expendable player right now out of this core for the Braves? I don't think you have to expend anybody. I think with as young as Vaughn Grissom is, I think he's literally like 21 years old. Mm -hmm. As young as he is and as early on in his career as he is right now, you can transition him into an outfielder. You can make him play left field. And we've seen across the league teams have done that. And while they may not turn into the greatest outfielders, they don't have to be elite defenders. Like, for example, Gavin Lux played um, second. 
He played second. Like second he but he also played outfield. Yeah. And he wasn't the greatest defender, but he was formidable because his bat was valuable enough to maybe take some away from the defensive side and have him play offense. I think that's our best bet is put Vaughn Grissom in left field, keep Michael Harris in center, keep Acuna in right field. I think that's our – we don't really have to um, – we don't really have to trade anybody away, but I would think the I my my personal opinion the most expendable person in that infield is Dansby Swanson. He's the most expendable guy. Um, as much as I love him, I don't want to lose him. I think he is very valuable. So you know, don't don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I think the most expendable person on this infield is Dansby Swanson because. There's already so many great shortstops in baseball. Right. And Von Grissom is a is a great defender as well. You can also move Ozzy to short because he was drafted as a shortstop. You could move Ozzy to short. He's a he's a good defender. So I don't want to lose Dansby and I don't want to even think about losing Dansby, but I think he would technically be the most expendable. Austin Riley, he's too valuable. Austin Riley, I think, is going to be the next Chipper Jones of this team. I, 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 I don't think he's expendable matt olson i mean you're not going to put von grissom at first base i mean you got to so that, that that's that's a non-negotiable position i would say either dansby or travis darno are our most expendable players in the well NFL. so here's my next question and this is way off the rabbit trail but i'm just genuinely curious hey it's content I, let's go i feel like william Contreras is not there defensively to be an everyday catcher so he, does that not. make does that make Darno not like I feel like that makes Darno more valuable? Yeah, but but Darno has been hurt several times over the last two seasons, and while again Contreras isn't the greatest defensively, he is getting better. Matter of fact, Contreras actually throws out more runners than Darno does. Darno's a great defender, but he's not very good at throwing out base runners. Whereas Contreras is the exact opposite. He's not the greatest defender, but he can throw out. But he's got an arm on him. He's got a cannon. And so I actually don't mind Contreras being an everyday starter because you can make him into a better defensive catcher. You know, one off season of just working on it, he can be, I mean, and again, you don't have to have the greatest defensive catcher. We don't have to have that. Really the key to a good catcher is not really their defensive ability. It's their ability to work with the pitchers and call a good game. And if he can call a good game, he may let a few pass balls by. I, I'm okay with that, whatever, because his bat is too valuable um, and his his ability to throw out runners is too valuable. So, actually, I would change my answer from Dansby to Darno. I think Darno is the most expendable player on this team. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I prefaced it with young core, but yeah. Darno's, what, mid-30s? Like he's uh, been, early 30s. He's, he's not been around old. for a while. But, but, yeah, I think he's the most expendable piece on the team. You could definitely trade him for a rotation or include him in a trade for a rotation piece. There is some concern that we might not be able to keep Max Freed and his contract is up in 2024. That that makes the starting that makes that makes the rotation a big glaring issue, in my opinion. Yeah, because at that point, you can't trust Soroka to stay healthy. You've got Spencer Strider, who I'm guessing at that point would be your number one because Charlie Morton's going to be retiring. Yeah, he's Ian Anderson's going to be off the uh, Charlie Moore is going to be off the books by 2024. So right. we're not going to be paying him anymore. Right. Ian Anderson's been bad. Been yeah, he's t- he's he's having a sophomore slump right now. So hopefully I, he can turn it around. 
And then who are you looking at now? You're looking at Huascar Yanoa. Kyle Wright is there. Kyle Wright's good, obviously. Yeah, Kyle Wright's but, good. I mean, you're looking at Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, Huascar Yanoa. If you lose Max Free, you have to. I feel like at that point, you have to trade a young piece for a for a uh, for a rotational piece. Yeah, I mean, I'm confident that Alex Anthopoulos will be able to retain Max Freed, but that is where my concern is now because especially if we sign Dansby, we give him a large contract, where are we going to even have money to re-sign our pitching staff? And that's really the – but the thing is, though, the good thing about baseball is there's no lux- – there, there is no cap. We just have to pay luxury tax if we go over. So technically, we can re-sign all of these players – it's just whether or not the ownership is willing to pay luxury tax. I'm not right. sure if they are. There's only like two or three teams in Major League Baseball that do pay a luxury tax, and those are big market cities. So with there not being a salary cap, I don't think it's that I don't think it's that difficult to re-sign everybody. But it is a little bit of a concern because the Braves have historically been the type of franchise that does is not going to pay you the most money. They'll pay you good money, but they're not going to pay you more than the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever. Right, right. And Max Freed is a California kid, so you know who knows. Yep, I, who knows. Yep. So, I, so I want to I want to keep up with the Braves talk real quick. Just talking about these lat this last weekend of games. Um, I know we went into last year's postseason questioning Snicker and his bullpen management. This mm-hmm. last series with the Cardinals, we saw Saturday night, <laughs> Henley Jansen couldn't hit the strike zone. Basically walked and hit batters in, I think, right, and hit in for the for the win, right. Blew the save, basically with all walks and and a couple hit hit like he hit a couple guys, and something like that. I think he I don't I don't think he walked everybody on base, but he did walk in the winning run. He walked yeah. in the winning run, but with with Kenley blowing his fifth save of the year, and then Sunday AJ Minter blowing the game uh, wide open for the Cardinals. Do you have concerns about the bullpen or do you trust Snit like you trusted Snit last year? I have no concerns for the bullpen. The the bullpen still has the best ERA in all of baseball um, by a pretty wide margin. And Kenley Jansen, look, closers blow saves all the time. And blowing five saves at this point in the season is not that isn't it's not terrible. It's not bad. I think Will Smith had more blown saves last year than Kenley Jansen does at this point. And you know, I think our bullpen is solid. The, my only concerns with the bullpen is guys like Dylan Lee and Jackson Stevens. They're going to be back in guys. Um, <clears throat> but <clears throat> those kind of guys didn't get a whole lot of playing time in last year's postseason. And so if we manage our bullpen the same way we did in last year's postseason, I thought it will be fine. Right. I know everybody is questioning, you know, Brian Snicker, like, because I know a couple of weeks ago, against the Mets like we were it was like a tie game and he brought in Jackson Stevens he brought in Jackson Stevens and blew the game and look I don't I don't we don't know on a day-to-day basis who's available and who's not out of the bullpen he does and so I know at the in the moment it seems like that's a questionable call but I I trust Snitker I trust I mean he, he just won us a World Series last year right you know he's been around he's he has been in the big leagues for over 40 years, I trust his mind. I trust his intelligence, you know, and you know what? No, no, no manager's perfect either. So he's going to make mistakes. He's going to, he's going to pick the wrong guy in a certain situation. Right. But we have the best ER, our bullpen has the best ERA in baseball for a reason, right. because they're, they're a solid bullpen. I think 
the combination of Mentor, Iglesias, and Jansen is a deadly combo. Um, so I, I'm not too worried about it. I wish we still had Luke Jackson, and I wish Matzik was as effective as he is. He's starting to get hot. He's starting to get a lot better than he was at the beginning of the year. Um, and so if Matzik can turn it on, turn it up and have the same postseason he had last year, that's four deadly guys out of the right. pen right there. And then the, you're also forgetting about Kirby Yates, who's who's finally getting healthy. He's struggling. Well. He's I mean, struggling, I, but he's he's coming yeah. off a major injury. He's been he's, he's been out of the game for two years. Right. He had yeah. back-to-back Tommy John. So I, I know I know <clears throat> I'm not going to criticize him too much because I know he's trying to get back into the groove. Um, and there's also talks that Soroka will be cleared and we're going to put him in the bullpen. I would, I would, I know some have suggested, why don't we just throw him in the rotation? Cause we need that rotation piece. The dude hasn't pitched in two years. Right. And I know he's pitching well in his simulation games or whatever, but keep that man far away from the rotation until next right. year, right. put him in the bullpen, let him pitch one or two innings max. Don't, don't, don't let it, don't throw him in the bullpen. Don't throw him in the rotation right now. Right. Um. So that just to kind of cap this off, if Snicker went away from Jansen as the ninth inning guy, would you, who would you want to see in that place? Would it be Iglesias or would it be Mentor? Iglesias. Okay. I don't like Mentor. I've never liked Adrian uh, I Mentor. know you don't like Adrian <laughs> Mentor. I know, I, I know he I know he is a good – when he is on, he is on. But there's also been so many times where, like he last blown, night. where he has blown games. Now, look, the last two nights, there were tough losses – but we're also playing. We're also playing a red hot Cardinals team. We talked like about that, that last week. That team is one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. So, you know, I tag, I chalked it up more to just we lost to a good team rather than they really blew the game. Right. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it's just it is what it is. Our next three series are very easy. We have Colorado, we have Oakland, I think we have Miami. So we've got three easy series coming up. But then it gets a little bit tougher. Whereas the, the Mets really only have the Dodgers series and then the Braves later on. And then pretty much all of September is just a, just a, a cakewalk basically. Right. So, which, I mean, that's just how the schedule played out. Right. You know, nobody knew at the beginning of the year, that some of these teams would be this bad. So yeah, yeah that's just how it is. Well, let's get into the angels. I know you had something to talk about angels. Yeah. So the yeah. owner of the angels, I don't know his name is uh, planning on selling the team, which is big news because, the Angels for so long has been this repu- this team with the reputation of, okay, let's pay a lot of money for all these guys, and then they do nothing with them. Mike Trout right. is rotting away. Shoei Otani's rotting away. They wasted Albert Pujols' prime. Um, Anthony, Anthony Rendon. Rendon I, know he, I know he has trouble staying healthy, but they're wasting his prime. They've wasted so many guys there, and I think – Selling if if the team is sold to somebody who is actually interested in winning and not just as a business opportunity, then I think it could be the beginning of a new era for the Angels franchise. Right. And I think it could be um, you know, a great thing because we've seen with the Patriots what a good owner can do. Robert Kraft is arguably one of the best owners in all of professional sports. And it's because He's not just invested in the Patriots as a business opportunity. He's invested in them as, you know, he wants to win. He actually wants to win. And so if they sell it to the right person, this could be a game changer for the Angels franchise. Right. And that would start with trading Trout and trading Otani. I truly believe. You really think they need to restart? I I do. 
I don't, I, this is not, and this feels very similar to the trailblazers in the NBA. They've been so, and the trailblazers have had more success than the angels have. Cause they've always, they made the playoffs, made a couple conference finals, but you have two guys and you have to get it rid of at least one of them. And the, and I feel like Otani is the CJ McCollum of this situation. I feel like Trout's going to stay, but I, th- I feel like Otani's got to go. Rendon's got to go. They've got to start fresh. If they still want Trout there, then they have to make bigger moves. But if they go ahead and trade Trout, they can have two or three years of being really bad, but building up that farm system again. Because you think the amount, think about the amount of prospects they will get for Trout, Otani, and Rendon. Like, yeah, but I, I don't think you necessarily have to go that route. You're LA. You have all this money. You literally could just sign. Like Carlos Correa might opt out. You could go after Carlos Correa. You, what they really need to focus on is pitching. They could go out and get some pitching pieces, all that. I mean, you just it's said, gonna though, be, it's that gonna this be hasn't easy. worked for them is going it's, out and just signing guys. Yeah, but they've never really focused on pitching, though. They've never gone out and just focused on signing pitchers. You could try to build around those. Guys. I mean, restarting is is definitely probably something they should do. I don't think it's necessarily a route that they have to go down. And now, especially with Mike Trout, with this coming out with him having this degenerative back back problem, I don't know how much of a market he's really going to have. I mean, there's still going to be a market for Mike Trout because he's Mike Trout, but you're not going to get as much for him now that he's got this medical issue. I'm going to make another MLB to NBA transition. I almost feel like trying to trade Trout was like trying to trade KD. Yeah. You're going to have to give up so much for him, for a guy that's in his mid in like early to mid thirties. Yeah. And the teams are not going to be willing to do it. So I feel like that's, that's something similar. That's a similar situation um, to that. So we'll see. I'm excited to see what the angels do. If they do something different, that's what I want because look, I had them freaking win in the division this year. I know. Well, you can't say, you can't say, I know, I know. I picked the Rangers Rangers in the world series. But the Rangers at least are going to finish higher than the Angels. So I at least okay. have that to hang you my got, on. You do got that. I got most of my division predictions wrong. So, but we won't talk about that. We'll, we'll go back to that when the yeah. regular season ends. All right. MLB wildcard races. Let's wrap up. Let's do this quickly so we can get to what everybody wants to hear. Yes. College football. Hey, this has been a good MLB discussion. It has. It has. It's been a lot of off the cuff stuff, which is what yeah. we like. Um, the MLB wildcard races. Particular teams I'm looking at right now is Toronto and Baltimore. Baltimore is Baltimore, baby. Come Baltimore on. is a game and a half out of the third of the third wild card spot, and they play each other twelve times in the next month. Oh my gosh! Or wait, was it no ten? No sorry, way. Ten, okay. ten times in the next month, which is going to be huge. That's wow. probably going to determine that third wild card spot, dude. Go Orioles. Man, yes. this team has been down in the dumps for so long. They finally built up a young core of players, um, including their center fielder. Gosh, why does his name slip my mind right now? Oh, it's oh, it's um, oh, uh, Mullins, gosh. Cedric Mullins. Yeah, Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins and Adley Richman. Adley like. Richman, um, uh, and they've got some good young pitchers. So I, I really like this Orioles team. I'm rooting for them. I know you picked Toronto, and I picked Toronto to be good too. I picked them to win the division. I haven't won in the World Series, right? Yeah. No. Did you? I know you had them making the World Series. I don't remember. Anyways. We'll look back later. Go Baltimore. I want them to make it. Um, And then San Diego and Milwaukee. Those are the last two. uh, San Diego right now has the third wild card spot. They've been slumping a little bit. Milwaukee has also been slumping. 
it's going to be interesting because they both have similar strength of schedules. I think San Diego's is going to be a little bit harder because they've still got to play LA like two or three more times. Right. They've got to play the Giants, who are also fighting for that last wild card spot. Whereas Milwaukee's got some of the easier central teams to walk through. So that's going to be something to watch for down here in the last couple of weeks of the season is the wild card race. Um, the Braves pretty much have locked the number at least the number one wild card spot. Right. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. And then to wrap up the MLB talk, uh, I'm really excited about the new format, the schedule format for next year. Um, They've changed it to where now every single team will play their division opponents four times, four different series, two home, two away. They will play each team in the national, like the Braves will play each team in the national league outside of their division, one series at home, one series away. And then they will play each American League team once. So, and it'll rotate home and away every year. So, I, I think it's amazing for baseball. It gives you the chance to really market some of the best superstars in the game. Right. You know, Seattle's coming to Atlanta next year. I'm going to be able to see Julio Rodriguez. I'm going to be able to see players that I would never see play in real life. I think it's great for the game if you want to market some of these superstar players across the league. And it gets rid of some of the redundancy of divisional games. We don't need to play the same team 20 times. We don't need to play the same four teams 80 times. Like, we don't need that anymore. Okay, we get it. No other sport plays the same division opponents that many times. We don't. It's unnecessary. It's good to play every it, – it's more of an NBA-type model where everybody's playing everybody at least once. And so I think it's great for the game. I can agree. I, I we we had a little bit of discussion about it when it first dropped, but I've kind of I've kind of sided with I've moved over to siding with you to be honest because it's 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 going to make it fun. Like I, you want to see the I want to see the Mets play the Mariners. I want to see the Mets play the Rangers. Like I want to see all these games. Like all these new like the AL essentially if they're not on prime television, you have to look at ESPN to see what they did. Yeah. So and that's also an issue I think I don't think MLB has a good like league pass or Sunday ticket. Like, yeah, that, like- that's definitely the next thing they need to work on is there's too many games being blacked out. And right. it's, it, the, the TV contract situation is ridiculous. And if Manfred wants to keep young people interested in the game, they've got to stop blacking out games constantly. Right. I mean, I have NBA league pass and I, I pay for NBA league pass and it is so easy. You can watch any game. The only game that are that's blacked out is the Hawks game. Yeah. So I feel like the MLB needs something like that because there's no way of, and it's going to be expensive, but those kind of things are expensive. Right. But you've got to have a way. I, there has to be a way for an MLB fan, super fan, to be able to watch any game he wants without fear of it being blacked out. Yeah, definitely. All right. So um, let's move on to college football. Let's yes. just skip that NFL topic. It's not really that important. Uh, let's just move on to college football because uh, we spent way longer in the MLB than we were expecting, but it was good, good topics. Let's yeah. start off. We're going to leave the picks for last because we want you guys to listen all the way to the end. Right, right, right. Uh, let's start off number one with Desmond Howard. Okay. <laughs> if you haven't seen Desmond Howard dropped his college football playoff predictions. And um, if you're in the mood for some comedy today, let me, let me read you his bracket. He has Michigan, Texas A&M, Baylor, and Pitt in his final four. 
Then he has Texas A&M and Michigan making the championship game, and he has the Aggies winning it all. Like, you want to talk about the most comical bracket prediction. And I know people have their opinions like, oh, Desmond Howard, stupid Desmond. Look, Desmond Howard, I am willing to 100% guarantee you he does not actually believe that's going to be his final four. Yeah. My opinion, I think ESPN made him do a ridiculous bracket so people would get to, would start talking about it. And that's exactly what people are doing. They're talking. We're doing about it right now. Yeah. So I I would love to see Desmond Howard's sports betting account because I guarantee you he didn't bet for any one of those four right. teams. Right. It's not even like sure three of those four are pretty like are contenders. I guess like I know um, my one of my colleagues on Fourth and Wrong, Hayden McDaniel, is very high on Michigan this year. I like Baylor, and then I'm very high on Texas A&M. I have them winning the West. But Pitt, I mean, I have Pitt winning their division, but I have them going nine and three. Yeah, I could very well see them losing this week. Right, like it, it, it's uh, that one felt like a and like, but to me, I it would have been it would have felt more like a PR stunt if they were bigger teams. Like if he threw a USC in there, or he threw a a Notre Dame, you know what I'm saying? But he threw Pitt, Baylor, Michigan, and Texas A and M. Like those are just random teams in the top 25. Yeah. Even even dementia ridden Lee Corso's bracket actually good. makes sense. It's good. <laughs> Utah, or, good. Utah, Ohio State, uh Georgia, Alabama, and Georgia. And he has Ohio State Health. Zach, that's mine. Exactly. That's <laughs> my <know>. bracket. <laughs> I know. I know. And he and hey, he he correctly predicted the national championship last year. He said Georgia would lose in the SEC, win the national title. He picked Ohio State to beat Alabama this year in the national title game. So, and look, we didn't talk about national championship picks last week. I do have Ohio State winning the national championship. There you go. Next one, because we're running out of time here in our first section. Um, was the loss this past Saturday the death knell for Scott Frost's time at Nebraska? N- no, but it's halfway in. I, I feel like this is a the way that you went out, you started so good. Casey Thompson was throwing. You had this two-minute, 75-yard drive where you looked elite. Casey Thompson pulled off some Johnny Manziel crap in, like, the second quarter of that game. But on, it was not the Nebraska players that lost them the game, that lost them the momentum. It was a stupid, idiotic, every word for, every word for lapse of intelligence in the book was that onside kick call from Scott Frost. It didn't make any sense. And he's doing it to himself. He's doing it to himself. But I do think there is enough games on Nebraska's schedule this year to where if he can win a couple of them, he'll save his job. If he wins eight games, he'll save his job, but he cannot go out and lose three of the first four. I'm going to make, Maybe it's not even really a bold prediction. It's not bold. I'm going to say he's not even coaching the Iowa game this year. The last game of the season is against Iowa. I don't think Scott Frost is going to coach that game. Uh, Scott Frost is 5-21 and 21 in one-possession games at Nebraska. 5-21. and 21. He is currently 15-30 and 30 in his career at Nebraska. Bo Pelini was fired after going 60, 67-27. and 27 couple of years ago, 
That means that Scott Frost could win his next 50 consecutive games and still have a worse record than Bo Pelini. It's not working. I, I'm not convinced Scott Frost has ever been a good coach. I know he had that one undefeated season at UCF, but I think that was more yeah. so an Ed Orgeron situation where you had a really talented roster and that overshadowed your coaching ability because UCF never had a great year before then. They were bottom dwellers the year before they went 13-0, and and they were mediocre after Scott Frost left. So I'm not convinced Scott Frost ever really was a good coach. Honestly, and he's proving right. to me because if you can't win, if you can't win close games, and I know that they they like lost like all nine of their losses last year were like by, by one possession. That tells me that you don't have the ability to close out games, and the and closing out games is more so coaching than it is your your talent. One hundred percent. His his coaching ability is ridiculous, and then he comes out after the game and blames his offensive coordinator for losing. A guy like who, Mark yeah, Whipple, who very did, did amazing yeah. at Pitt last year, did turn Kenny Pickett into a superstar. And Casey Thompson looked great. That offensive line looked suspect. I mean, most of the plays Casey Thompson made were because the play got blown up. They weren't blocking for him. Right. And then don't give me a start about the Nebraska defense. They looked awful. They looked awful on Saturday. You let freaking so, Ryan Holinsky dot you up. Yeah. The, a team that has in in the last 10 years has never averaged more than 28 points scored 31 on you that's embarrassing um it, it's it, and then the onside kick up by two possessions i don't know i, I don't I, I have no idea what he's doing what's his and i don't process? i don't think scott like, frost knows what he's doing i right. think he's like oh well we'll catch him off guard and we have the chance to go up by three possessions because i think scott frost in his own mind, knows that if this game is close in the end, I'm probably not going to win. I think he's in his own head. He's like, if it's a close game, I don't have confidence we're going to win because we haven't been able to win close games in my entire time here. Right. So my heart goes out to the Nebraska fans. My old buddy from high school, Nate Venza, I had highly doubt you're listening to this. He's a diehard Nebraska fan. I feel for you. Should have never fired Bo Pelini. And you told me that in high school, when you fired Bo Pelini, you told me that you should have never done that. And now I agree with you. So Nate Venza, if you're listening to this, my heart goes out to you. John Freaky of 92.9 The Game, morning show from 6 to 9 a.m. Nebraska fan, I'm sorry. <laughs> he was going right. through it this morning. <laughs> All right, last thing, because we've got like three minutes till uh, we need to get to the intermission. Michigan's quarterback situation. <laughs> Michigan's quarter. They they have decided that they're going to play um, Cade McNamara in Week One against Colorado State, and then JJ McCarthy in Week Two against I think oh, UConn. Goodness. And so, then by Week Three, they will make up their mind on what they want to do with their quarterback situation. What do you think about that? I think Aaron Murray put it really well. I don't know if you saw Aaron Murray's video. Um, he posted on Instagram, but he said, this is not only terrible for the two guys, it's terrible for the team. You need a, your quarterback is a different position. You can't just experiment with quarterback. In my opinion, this has got to be, they've got to be the leader in the huddle right. and you cannot develop a leader when that quarterback doesn't even know if he's going to be playing the next week. All right. I, I it, it's, it's baffling to me that a, very experienced head coach like Jim Harbaugh can make a decision like this. And I think it's going to cost Michigan from being really good. 
Did they not do that last year though? They didn't Both do quarterbacks it to this played in every game. They didn't do it to this extent because McNamara started every single game and he got 70 to 80% of the snaps every single game. Yeah. So there was a guy. JJ McCarthy was the was the gimmick guy that you brought in. This year he could be yeah. the starter or he could be the backup. And one of them's gonna leave. The, the he's trying to get them both into the game this early so that one of them doesn't leave. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what he's doing. And I mean, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think it's ever worked. I think the only time a dual quarterback system ever worked was the 2007 Florida team when they had Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. I think that's the only time that I can ever remember that working. And Two it, elite it, college quarterbacks. Though. It's never and it, it's never worked since. So right. the old saying is you either have one quarterback or you have none, yep. you know, so yep. It's going to be interesting to see how that affects their play this year. But um, that's our time for the intermission. Come back after the break, and we will give our picks for week one. Yes, sir. And welcome back. Now it's the second half. Hope you guys enjoyed that first half. Uh, mostly MLB talk, a little bit of college football talk, but now it's time to preview week one. It's a pretty loaded slate. What we're going to do just as a reminder, we're going to do 10 picks and then we're going to do a cousin's choice pick, which is essentially a tiebreaker pick between me and Zach. It's a blind Uh, pick too. It's a blind pick. We don't know who we're picking. We have to pick either against the spread or outright. So, That's what we have, but we also want to introduce a new segment that we're going to do every single week before we get into the picks called One Burning Question. One thing that we are looking forward to, one question that we want answered going into this next week of football. This is a little bit of a weirder one because we haven't seen much body of work from anyone, but Zach, what is your burning question for week one? My burning question for week one is, is Notre Dame the real deal? Um, Is is, uh, Brian Freeman... Is that, that's his name. Marcus right? Freeman. Marcus Freeman. I always get his first name wrong. Is Marcus Freeman the real deal as a head coach? They, they're, they're making a lot of noise in the recruiting trail. Um, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're being very hyped up right now. They're ranked number five in the nation. Um, they're, they're recruiting well, like I just said, and they have to start the year at Ohio state at the horseshoe. And so this is going to be a chance to prove, you know, is Marcus, was Marcus Freeman the right hire? Is Notre Dame the real deal? Have they taken a step back since losing Brian Kelly? I think even if they even if they lose this game by like less than seven points, I'm going to have a lot of respect for this Notre Dame team, and I'm going to be I'm going to have a lot of respect for Marcus Freeman. That's my burning question: is Is Notre Dame the real deal? Get into Notre Dame talk. That's our game of the week. Um, um, also, one thing I didn't even mention is the uh, we will talk about who won week zero, and then we will start doing the punishments. And we're going to talk about a punishment uh, potentially that we're going to have with our editor, Cody, um, in a minute okay. before we get into the picks. But um, we will have a some sort of TikTok punishment after this week of picks. Week zero, we kind of just get acclimated to everything. But my burning question is how good is Arkansas? Going into this – Arkansas – We've talked about them. We're both very high on them. We think that they can potentially win 10 games or they can win seven games. 
They could do either of those, and I wouldn't be surprised. They're opening this week against Cincinnati in a game that we will pick soon and we will talk about. But returning K.J. Jefferson, returning K.J. Catalan, returning Bumper Poole, and and all of their tailbacks, I think this team can be really good, and we're going to see that. I don't know if we're going to see the full potential of them because I don't believe Cincinnati's as good as their ranking. I'm not. I'm not sure they should still be 23 in the nation, and we'll talk about that as well, uh, obviously. But my burning question is: How good is Arkansas? How handily is Arkansas going to handle Cincinnati this week? Are they going to show that they're an SEC yeah. team that's ready to be a feared SEC team, like they did against Texas last year? Yeah. Or are they going to come out slow and not in 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 kind of crap the bed like they did against Georgia? What version of Arkansas are we going to get to start the season? Because they don't have an easy slate to start the season. They are they, it's, they it's, have a brutal schedule all the way through. Right? Yeah, it's they brutal. do. It's brutal. So they can prove if this is a ten win team, this that they that's pretty dang good if they yeah. can win ten games this year. But my that's my burning question: Is Arkansas how good are they going to be? How good are they truly? Yeah, I, I give props to Arkansas. Even their out of conference schedule is really is, right. is pretty. I mean, pretty Texas tough. last year, Cincinnati, I mean, and then they're playing BYU. I think they're playing yeah. BYU on the road. Two, so, yeah, like, two really good mid major yeah. teams. So, yeah, I got a lot of respect for them. But yeah, those are our burning questions. Uh, is Notre Dame the real deal, and is is Arkansas the real deal? Right. Um. So let me give you a score update from week zero. Um. Oh. Me and Mitchell tied with five points. And Cody only got two points. Okay. Um, there we go. So you and I both missed the Nebraska Northwestern game. Cody got that game right. Right. And um, our second game was Illinois, Wyoming. You and I both got that game correct, whereas Cody missed that game. Um, you got the Charlotte FAU game correct. I missed that game. And Cody also missed that game. And then, man, I had so much faith in UTEP. Poor guys, they fell short. I missed that pick. Cody missed that pick. You got that one right. Um, and then the final one was Vandy, Hawaii. You and I both, we believed in Vandy. And holy cow, 63 to 10. Yeah. Like, is Vandy is Vandy starting <laughs> to become a decent team or is Hawaii really that bad? I uh, think I, it's a mixture of both. A mixture of both. Yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna say, yeah. I think it's a little bit of a mixture of both. Don't, don't, don't be don't be looking for Vandy to run the East anytime soon. But I think they could start being at least a six and six, seven and five team consistently pretty soon and, you know, shock a team every every now and again. But um, we both got that right. And Cody, I don't know why he believed in Hawaii. Matter of fact, I don't know why they were favored by ESPN. It really doesn't make any sense to me why that team is favored. They have no one. But anyways, we're not going to get back into that. And then I got my cousin's choice pick correct. I got got – yeah, you got yours wrong. You picked so Utah State to not only win but cover, and there was a twenty-seven point spread, and I think they only won by like twelve. They were down. They trailed 14, for a yeah. large yeah. portion of that game to UConn, and then um, what was the game Alabama that I had this week too? So I mean, what was the game that I had? Yeah, um, I, I deleted my notes, but you won it. I know you. I won, it and I I told it. I said that they would not cover the spread. I think, but anyways, I got it right. There wasn't that many and, games. Let me just double check. Let me just double check. Um, let me double check. 
but I know I know you and I both got five points, and then Cody you win because of the because of the cousin's choice. Well, without the cousin's choice, I only got three. So oh, so that okay. So those cousins' choice tied made it counts as two okay. points because yes. I got the correct winner and the spread. So we still tied. Was it Nevada, New Mexico State? Yes, yes. I I had them. I had them winning. Actually, no. I had them winning and covering the nine point spread, and they and they and did they both did. of those things. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. All well, right. Let's get into our picks. Week one. Picks. Week one. Ten picks. All right. The first one. West Virginia goes on the road to play their old arch rivals that they they haven't played in a while, but they're renewing the rivalry, playing the Pitt Panthers this Thursday night. Give me your winner. Give me a brief synopsis of the game. Right. Um, Go for it. I so I do scores as well. I don't know if you do scores, but I don't do um, scores. But you know what? I've got Pitt winning this game, thirty-eight to twenty-seven. I feel like this is going to be a really good display of two really good transfer quarterbacks who are in similar situations. JT Daniels, of course, got beat out at at Georgia after his injury to Stetson Bennett. And then Keaton Slovis was at USC. And then obviously with Caleb Williams coming in and the regime regime change, he wasn't going to be the guy at USC. So he's coming to Pitt in an offense that was really good last year. Yes, they're changing offensive coordinators, but I think they're the better overall team than West Virginia. Every single time you get your hopes up about West Virginia, they're going to do something good. They don't in football. Um, I think this is going to be a serviceable performance. I think JT Daniels is going to have a great game, but I do think that the pit pass rush is the difference in this game because we know that JT Daniels is not very, uh, is not very mobile. And we're going to see that early on in the season. We're going to see that as a pitfall, a a literal pitfall, pitfall, pit 38, 27. All right. So our editor Cody has also picked the pit Panthers to win this game. This is an interesting matchup. Like, um, I've I I I personally don't know the history of this rivalry, but from my understanding, is it's a, it's a bitter rivalry. I know I had a lot of roommates in college who were West Virginia fans, and even in basketball, they they would talk very negatively about Pitt. Like there is a bitterness and a hatred there between it's these two like schools. The backyard rivalry, or something. Yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. And um, but I've got the Pitt Panthers winning this game as well. I just think they've got the, the more talent. Um, Keaton Slovis, I think he's going to be the difference. I still think they've got some good playmakers at wide receiver and running back. They've got, you know, always have a good defense with Pat Narduzzi as head coach. And uh, West Virginia, you know, I think they've got they, they've got some good offensive pieces. I don't think they're there defensively to be able to, to win this game. Um, fun fact about West Virginia, they are the winningest football program in college football to never appear in a national championship game. Wow. So, um, unfortunately, West Virginia, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, and I've got you losing week one. In a, I think it'll be a close game. I think the spread is only like seven points. Very it'll be good a close Thursday game. night games. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. All right, game number two. We've got Penn State traveling to Purdue. Oh. This is going to be a good Thursday night game as well, which – uh, James Franklin actually filed a complaint with the Big Ten today because uh, for the seventh consecutive year, Penn State has to start Big Ten play on the road. And for the 13th time out of 14 years, they've had to start Big Ten play on the road. That's that's pretty crazy. So I think James Franklin has a legitimate gripe. He just wants it to be more balanced. And so uh, it's just unfortunate to the scheduling that, right. they, that they got. 
Um, but give me, give me your winner. I'll, I'll give you my winner at the end. I've flip-flopped on this game a couple times, to be honest with you. I really, I think it can go both ways. Um, I'm picking Purdue at home to win 27-23. I think both of these teams are really good, but I think Purdue's offense is going to make one more play than Penn State will. Um, Penn State's offensive line is always an issue. Um, Penn State lost a lot offensively as well. Uh, they lost their number one target. They lost, I think, they're even their number two target and some more pieces on the offensive line. It's, it's going to make Sean Clifford's night a little bit uh, a little bit irritating for him. He's going to always be on the run. I think he's going to be on his butt a lot. And I think this is the start of the James Franklin departure in Penn State. All right. Our editor, Cody, has picked the Penn State Nittany Lions to win this game. Um, I mean, it's not a bad pick. I think the spread is very close. It's going to be a good game. It's another – like this Thursday night, it's going to have some really yeah. great games. Yes. Usually the the first first Thursday has some pretty trash games, but Bowling Green Tennessee. They did, yeah, they did they did a good they did a good job this year. I've also got the Boilermakers winning. Um, I, I've got high hopes for this Boilermakers team. Aiden O'Connell, I, I'm very impressed with him. They've got a lot of weapons around him, and they even though they lost Carlaftis, Carlaftis's little brother is a linebacker for them, and he's 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 pretty good too. They still got a pretty good pass rush, and I think they make just enough plays with the home crowd around them. And I think they win probably by seven. I got them by seven, beating Penn State, um, and uh, moving on to one and zero. All right, we uh, the, the number three game that we have, and not all of these are in like chronological order as to when they're going to happen. But uh, Florida State on Sunday travels to LSU. You know, they travels to New Orleans. They're not playing in Death Valley, but it will be in New Orleans at the. It's not called the Superdome anymore. It's called something else. Whatever. Um, but Florida State travels to LSU for a big first game. Who do you got winning this game? This game's tough as well. These are two teams that I know we've brought. I mean, you've if you want to hear our thoughts on every single team, you can go back into previous episodes. But these are both teams that I am high on, legitimately a little bit higher on than most people are. These are two teams I have going nine and three at the end of the season. Florida State, I was almost tempted. To pay, I was I was very tempted to pick them in this game because they have in-game reps. They just got done playing Duquesne last uh, in week zero. It was a beatdown, but they have live reps. I just think LSU is more talented, and these are not these are games that Brian Kelly doesn't lose. Brian Kelly in his first game with LSU in a semi-home environment in the dome. I think LSU pulls this game out, but I think it's a barn burner. I think this game is tremendous from start to finish. You've got LSU. You've got LSU. I've got them winning by three. I think Jordan Travis is going to play tremendous. Jaden Daniels is going to answer being playing tremendous. This is going to be a great game on a Sunday night. Yeah, I think, you know, having this game on Sunday, um, you know, you know, they're not having to compete with the NFL yet. So it's, it's right. a perfect it's going to be the only game on Sunday. Primetime television. Me and you are probably going to sit down and watch it right after church on Sunday. Right. It's going to be a fun game to watch, but I also have the Tigers of LSU as well. Cody, our, our editor also has picked LSU. So it's a clean sweep for the Tigers. Um, a lot of the reasons you said, That's I, I've got I've got a lot of faith in, in Brian Kelly. Uh, he went 54 and 10 at Notre Dame, 54 and 10. And he never lost to a team outside of the top 10 ever. So, I think he continues that trend. Here. He lost to Georgia when they were 22. Oh, okay. Sorry. He he never Top lost 25. To, he never lost an unranked opponent. He never lost no. to an unranked team. 
And all of his losses were to like Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. And to his credit, Clemson, Clemson, to his credit, not a lot of teams are beating those four guys anyway. Right. He has like multiple losses to those four teams. But I, I, again, I think he's going to have a little bit more talent than he's going to have at Notre Dame. It's, it's not in Death Valley, but it might as well be being in New Orleans. Right. And I think LSU, honestly, I'm not as high on Florida State as you are. I think LSU could win this game by 10. Uh, I think it'll be close, but I got LSU winning this game by 10 um, and, and, and starting off a good year. I think LSU is a sleeper team. Right. I don't think it's going to be uh, a re- necessarily a rebuilding year. I think it's a sleeper team. They could definitely make some noise this season, right. and it starts with a win over the Seminoles. All right, our number four game, interesting game, very interesting. Houston at UTSA. Houston travels to San Antonio to play the Roadrunners. Give us, give us your pick first here. My pick, I have. Well, let's give Cody's pick. Go Cody go. has picked the Cougars of Houston, and I'm agreeing with him. I've got the Cougars. I had them going 12 and 0 in our in our American breakdown. I'm going to stick with that. I think it's going to be a very close game. I've got Houston winning this game by three. I really like UTSA. I like Jeff Trailer. They're a very well coached team. Um, and I think it's going to be a shootout, but I, I, Houston's got a little bit more talent. They're a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a close game. Um, I think they win by less than seven points, but Houston pulls it out. See, I'm on the other. I, I have Houston winning this game because I, I, but I feel like this is going to be a little bit more of a of a blowout than you think it will be. Um, UTSA did lose a lot. UTSA is going to be a really good team, but they're going to be a really good team for the Conference USA. Like they're, if that's what I think they play in that. Yeah. 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 They play um, in conference USA. Um, I think they're going to be a good team in respect to conference USA, but I think Houston is leaps and bounds above them. I think at the offensive line in the trenches is where Houston's going to win this game. They're going to tire out the defense. I think this game will be close until the third quarter. And I think Clayton tune um, and um, homeboy, at the wider suit uh, Dell makes enough yeah. plays, yeah. makes enough plays. And uh, Houston pulls this out 37, 21. All right, let's go on to Illinois and Indiana. Our editor, Cody, has picked the fighting Brett Bielema's of Illinois to win this game. Um, And I also have the fighting Illini traveling to Indiana winning this game. I was very impressed with the way they played against against Wyoming. Again, Brett Bielema, he's not the greatest coach in the world. We know that. But he squeezes all the talent he can out of what he he has. And last year, Illinois was going through a lot of roster issues. And they still were not that bad. So I think I've got Illinois winning this game. Um, I just don't think Indiana has the pieces. Now, Sean Shivers is is good, and they have um, Basilak. Uh, Basilac. Yeah. Um, so I think Indiana maybe has a little bit more offensive firepower, but Illinois is going to be able to control the clock. They're going to be able to run the ball. Their defense is, is going to play well enough. And I think Illinois wins a close game at Indiana. I'm picking Illinois as well. I think it's a close game, but I think it's low scoring. Um, I wasn't super high on Illinois in our little in our little predictions thing that we did, but I'm starting to kind of redact that because I feel like they can be a – I feel like they're going to be a – they're going to win six games. They're going to win more than six games. I had them going five and seven. I really do. After seeing them play against Wyoming, they controlled the clock really well. Um, they played Brett Bielema football and Tommy DeVito wasn't nearly as bad as I thought he would be. Um, but I think he has a competent offensive line. Now. He has a competent offensive line. 
I do think Basilak and Shivers keeps Indiana in this game, um, makes a couple plays late to make it close. But I think the clock control and the offensive line um, and the defensive line of Illinois will win this game for them, 20 to 17. All right, next game, we're going to move on to Boise State traveling to Oregon State to play the Beavers. Both you and I have been pretty high on Oregon State in our Pac-12 predictions this year. Also pretty pretty high on Boise State as well, so I think this is an interesting game. Um, I've got Oregon State. I've got the Beavers winning this game. I think it'll be – I think they could could potentially win this game by 10 or more. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to blow out Boise State, but I I think – Oregon State is going to is going to uh, quietly make some noise this year. They're going to kind of fly under the radar, and I, I think they're going to be a pretty good team in the Pac-12. I've got them finishing second in the North Division behind Oregon, and I think they beat Boise State, who's on a little bit of a down year for them. I mean, it's not really a down year, but it is a little bit for them. And I've got the Beavers starting off the year with a big win, and our editor Cody has disagreed with us with me and has picked the Broncos of Boise State to win. See, I, look, I want to pick Boise State in this game, to be honest with you. Um, this is a weird matchup on paper, but I think Hank Bachmeyer is going to make too many mistakes for them to win this game. I think Oregon State's going to win. It's going to be close. I don't know if Oregon State is there yet to be where they have a dominating performance like this. I think it's going to be a little bit ugly. I think they win 31-23. to 23. I think both teams turn the ball over a good amount, but I think Hank Bachmeyer makes one too many mistakes and Oregon State wins this game. Yeah. I'm not sure we're going to disagree on a single pick here, Zach. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, so Cody has to be the contrarian here, and that that's fine. All right. Oregon tr- not really traveling to Athens, but they are traveling to Atlanta. Oregon and Georgia at a neutral site. And um, look, do we even really need to, to, to declare who we think is going to win this game? I've got Georgia winning. I think Georgia yeah. wins by at least 15. Yeah. I, I like Dan Lanning, and I know lots of people are talking about Bo Nix is going to be – Bo Nix is 0-3 against Georgia, okay? Right. It, it's not going to be different because he's now at Oregon. He has, he has a little bit better of a team than he did last year at Auburn, but I don't think this Oregon team is much better than the best team he had at Auburn like two or three years ago. So I don't think Bo Nix is going to be that much of a difference. Um, I've got Georgia winning this game by 15. I think Georgia controls the line of scrimmage in this game I, I the, from the start. And to be honest with you, I think running back is probably my biggest concern for Georgia. We haven't talked about Georgia much this year. I, like surprisingly, we didn't really go into depth about Georgia like overall but I feel like they've got to have a guy to step up and be the guy at running back. And I think they're going to still control the line of scrimmage even when they don't know if, who that guy is yet. I think Kendall Milton's going to have a good game. I think Kenny McIntosh will have a good game. And I think Branson Robinson's going to have some get some run here too. But I think where this starts is that this Georgia defense is still going to be really good. I don't think we need to go into this game expecting we're going to hold Oregon under 10 points like we did, um, like we did to every team no. last year. I think it's going to be 38 points for Georgia, 20 points for Oregon. 38 to 20. I think Oregon's going to be able to score a little bit. But like you said, Bo Nix doesn't have much success against Georgia. Or hasn't had much success against Georgia in his career. And I don't think it starts now. And I don't think at the skill positions 
Oregon has enough to defeat Georgia. It's going to be 38 to 20. I think Georgia's going to make a statement to start the year against a top 15 team. Yeah. And then our editor, who is a Georgia Tech fan and probably yeah. won't pick Georgia to win a single game this year, he has picked the Oregon Ducks. So I mean, he he doesn't he's already he really wants him. he wants to do that punishment. <laughs> he, he must really want to because uh yeah, he's already he's already owing one right there. there okay. Uh, Cincinnati at Arkansas. So this is your chance to talk about your 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 burning question of the week. Um, and so I'm going to leave you to to talk about it last. Our editor has picked Arkansas. I have also picked the Razorbacks. I think Arkansas is a tough place to go in and win, no matter who you are. Especially Cincinnati losing, you know Desmond Ritter, who had been there for what seemed like 37 years, right. and then losing, you know your your top cornerback they actually are they are returning a lot of their defensive players uh but offensively they've lost a lot of pieces lots of question marks on the offensive side of the ball i think it'll be uh, the the spread's only six points I, i'm not sure it'll be that close i think it'll maybe be within 10 but i think it'll be more than six arkansas wins this game and gets off to a good start to the season See, uh, they did. Uh, Cincinnati didn't lose a lot defensively in their front seven. Where they did lose a lot is their secondary. They lost an NFL secondary essentially because um, they lost they they lost um, Kobe Bryant and they lost Sauce Gardner. Both of those guys were pivotal. They would have been guarding the one twos for Arkansas. I think where Arkansas wins this game is KJ Jefferson's going to throw all over. Them. I know you lost Traylon Burks in the off season um, with a, to a first round pick, I think, to t- Tennessee, but this team is still really, really good. I think the Arkansas defense is going to make is going to make this new quarterback in Cincinnati uncomfortable. Um, and I think while they will still score, Cincinnati will still score, and Arkansas is just going to score a lot. Forty-one to twenty-seven is where I have this game, um, but I don't think it's going to be as close as the score indicates. I think this could be where Cincinnati scores a late touchdown. I think Arkansas is going to have this game in hand by the third quarter. All right, and then let's move on to our second-to-last game. Utah travels to the Swamp. Look, I know uh, our, our favorite podcast, uh, the Craning Company, Jake Crane, has Florida winning this game. I, don't, I, don't, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see Florida with the decimated roster that they have and as good of a team as Utah has. I just don't see them going in and, and losing this game. Um, I've got Utah winning. And honestly, I think Utah could could literally blow out Florida. Uh, I know that's tough to do at the Swamp, but Utah is pretty much better at every position than Florida is right now. And, yeah, I've got Utah winning this game by like 20. And our editor also has Utah winning this game. I'll do you one better. I've got Utah winning this game 45 to 14. Uh, I don't think this game is close in any facet. I think they wear – Florida lacks is in the trenches and in the run defense. And I think Utah is just going to run it all over them. Best offensive line in the Pac-12, probably a top five unit in college football, that offensive line for Utah. Cam Rising is going to have his way. And then Anthony Richardson, he's going to have a good stat line, but I don't think he's going to be able to do anything to be forced into a couple turnovers. It's going to feel eerily similar to what they did to Oregon twice last year, in my opinion. Uh, Utah is going to destroy them from the start. And it's going to be a very like, look, Florida. And they talked about this on Crane Co. as well. Florida doesn't play many high-profile high non-conference games. They yeah. they don't play a lot of high-profile high non-conference games. They're doing it this year. 
Right. They're doing it this year and they're going to lose. They're going to lose really bad. Yeah. It, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty rough. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I know, I know it's tough going into the swamp or whatever, but I think Utah is motivated. They, they know this is their year to, to kind of capture lightning in a bottle to get into the college football playoff. And I don't think they're going to let that slip out of their fingers. Um, and I just don't, and I'm also going to make a bold prediction. Brenton Cox is going to have less than five tackles and zero sacks. I'm going to talk trash about Brenton Cox every week until the Georgia Florida game. Brenton Cox is going to have less than five tackles, zero sacks. He somehow got named to the preseason all American team, which I don't know how. Um, Cause I think every team in the SEC has to have at least one player. And so they felt bad for him and put Brenton Cox on there. I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, our game of the week, Notre Dame at Ohio State. This is a big one. It's part of my burning question, so I'm going to pick this one last. You go ahead and break it down. Cody has Ohio State winning this game. Go for it. I've got Ohio State winning this game 49-24. to 24. I don't think this is close. I made a bold proclamation that Ohio State was going to win every game by more than 15 in the regular season this year, and I'm sticking to it. Don't think Notre Dame is there yet. I quite frankly do think they're overrated. That's why I kind of kept my mouth shut when you were talking about Notre Dame and your burning question. I quite I think they're very highly overrated for a new program, a new leader. Essentially, you've had a guy who had this philosophy for years, and now you're just completely switching it with a new guy who is, while he's recruiting well, he's not looking for the same things Brian Kelly was. This is quite frankly the best offense and we could see in a really long time probably since 2019 LSU all around. I think Stroud is going to have a field day. And I think we see the backup for Ohio state by the end, by the, by the, uh, by the third quarter. And this game's over at halftime and it's going to be pretty disappointing because it's a top five matchup, but Ohio state handily wins this game by 25. All right. Um, So, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting game. Um, It's probably, it's a top five matchup. So obviously it's going to be the game of the week. Like you said, Ohio State's got C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson. They've got a lot of – I mean, they're going to be able to score the ball as much as they want, but I'm taking Notre Dame to win this game. Oh Give me God. Notre Dame. Oh, uh, my and here's, and here's why. Here's why. Ohio State has a real physicality problem. They, they have showed last year when it came to teams that played physical football, they could not keep up. And I think Notre Dame's going to come into this game, play physical. And Ohio State has a really bad track record of, of not playing well at home in September. If you'll remember, the last time Ohio State won the national championship, they lost at home to a 6-6 six and six Virginia Tech team. So I think – On a Monday night. I yes, on a Monday night. And so I think – I think this is a recipe to get the Brian Freeman – or why do I keep saying Brian Marcus Freeman? Freeman. Marcus Freeman. I feel like this is a chance to kind of get the momentum moving in the right direction. Those players love him. You can tell they were super excited when he was named the head coach. They rally around this guy. And I think they're going to carry that momentum into a last second field goal victory over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Give me Notre Dame. And I had to do something different from you. Okay. We had everything the same. If I'm going to win this week, I've got to do at least one pick different. And I knew you were going to pick Ohio State. You had you have you have I'm, cousin's I'm choice. Good. I'm feeling good about this one. I'm feeling good about it. Give me Notre Dame to win this game. I mean, and I know I picked Ohio State to go undefeated in our breakdowns, but 
look, the more and more that I, I hear out of Notre Dame, just the excitement around the team and historically wow. Ohio state has not played well at home in September, like I've already said, and they had a real physicality problem last year. I think that plays into Notre Dame's favor and they knock off Ohio State early. And then I think Ohio State's going to go on a revenge tour the rest of the season and blow everybody out and still have a chance at the college football playoff. If, if this happens, there's no way Notre Dame misses the playoff. Well, I still think Notre Dame will lose probably one or two games. They'll lose think, to Clemson, but I, yeah. I think one loss with a win over Ohio State, they're in. I think they might lose more than one, honestly. So you're, you have them beating Ohio State, but you have them losing twice after that. Yeah, it happens all the time. Teams teams upset a team early on in the season, but you can't ride just off momentum. I think they all this momentum of having Marcus Freeman, the players love him. And and again, Ohio State gets off to these sluggish starts every year at home. They lost to Oregon, what, week two last year? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm just in my gut. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling frisky. <laughs> Give me no, Notre stick, Dame. Stick with it, man. I mean, stick stick with it. I, I respect I respect it, like for sure. All right, Cousins' choice. Do you want to go first? You want me to go? Yeah, first? um, I I've been playing a little cheeky this week because I know we're going against the spread. I am having you choose an evenly spread game, so you have to pick an outright winner in this okay. game. It is North Carolina App State is completely even. Who do you have winning that game? <sighs> Give me the Mountaineers. I'm taking the Mountaineers to win this game. Um, I don't believe – I mean, Drake May had a pretty good game for North Carolina, but they also played, what, Florida A&M? Florida A&M. And they had 20 players that were deemed ineligible like three days before the game started. They they literally had seven offensive linemen available to play in that game. So I don't think you can really take that as a legitimate win, really. I like this App State team. I think they play physical football. Is it is it is it is it going to be at North Carolina or at App State? It's in uh, it's in Boone, North Carolina. So it's going to be at State. App State. Yeah, I, the, the their crowd is electric. They support their team. Give me the Mountaineers overall like win. That's who I would have picked. So good, good, good. If they don't, if they don't, and if they don't beat North Carolina, then I think they'll beat South Carolina next week. Wow. Okay. But if they if they do beat North Carolina this week, then I have them losing to South Carolina next week. All right, my game for you, seven-point spread. Rutgers travels to Boston College. I knew you were going to freaking pick this game. Who is who who is favored? Boston College is favored. They, they're favored by seven. So do they win and do they cover the spread? I think Boston College wins this game, but I don't think they cover. I think okay. Jerkovic is going to make enough plays to win this game, but I think this is going to be really low scoring, really ugly. And I think they win by like a field goal or maybe like an ugly, like five points or something like that. But I don't think it's a full touchdown because I don't think there's going to be many touchdowns scored in this game. All right. Those are cousins choice picks. Yeah. And we will alert you. Um, I think we will talk about it off air. Um, and then we will post a TikTok tomorrow or uh, on Tuesday, obviously you'll, and you would have already seen it by this point. Okay with the the punishment for this week for whoever loses um and that will be posted the next tuesday um so just just be on the lookout we will be posting our picks on our facebook page um so if you want to keep track with what we're doing and who's who's winning the week we will be doing that 
Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed. This is just the start of college football season. Week one's going to be tremendous. 10 really good games, and there's even more to watch. There's going to be some barn burners out there. So get your popcorn ready, sit in front of the TV, watch some college football. But before that, hey, yeah, hey, go ahead. Until the first week of February, we're going to have football every single weekend. Yeah, we will. So buckle up, guys. Yes, the most we will. wonderful time of the year is here. It is here. But before you sit down on your couch and watch college football on a Saturday, tune into this show that you just listened to the whole time. So I guess you have been tuning into it. The official review every Thursday, 8 a.m. Big thanks to our editor, Cody. A lot of things could not be able to be done without him. Um, he's a big part of this. He's also helping us with some graphics that you guys will see. Um, he's overall, just big help. We thank him for everything. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the official review. I think we're almost close to 40 episodes now. So uh, keep up the support. And we're on 38. Keep up the support, guys. We love y'all. We will see you next week and we'll see you on TikTok. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the official review. Before you go, I just wanted to give you a couple ways that you can stay connected with the show. First is our email, mgzbsportsnetwork at gmail.com. With this email, you can stay connected, ask us questions that we will answer on the show. Also, if you want to follow us on TikTok under the same name, we post very, very frequently about everything that's happening. And also, if you just want to check Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts Thursday morning at 8 a.m. for every single episode of the official review. Thank you, and we love you. Peace.